0: Today is Super Bowl Sunday. There is no better day to talk about health. No better day to talk about your body, your physical body, and what God calls us to in, in, in healthy lives, living healthy uh, in every area of our lives, not, not just spiritually, but intellectually, in our mind, in our soul, in our emotions, in our bodies. And so it's really important. We're going to talk about that today, but Super Bowl Sunday is such an interesting um, sort of our, our own cultural phenomenon that goes on in America. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but today we will eat so much food watching the Super Bowl that only on Thanksgiving does the nation eat more food than today. I, I looked it up. The Super Bowl, the Department U.S. Department of Agriculture says the Super Bowl is the second largest food consumption day in America. Can you believe that? That's so weird, and that's why people are going to be eating bacon-layered Super Bowl trophies, right? Like, like bacon everywhere, and it's like so beautiful. I mean, look at look at that thing. Look, look, it's it's like, mmm, so good. It's really going to pay for that tomorrow. Somebody is. I was I was looking it up. Did you know that? Americans are set to eat 1.33 billion chicken wings today. 1.33 billion chicken wings. That is a lot of chicken. It's up 2% from last year. I'd like to know how they measure that. I'm not really sure exactly how that works. But that's 30 million chicken wings up from last year. Americans will buy today 12.5 million pizzas. Don't you want pizza right now? It's like like wings and pizza in church. Well, I think we should start that. Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. The day after Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl, tomorrow, 16 million people will stay home on something called Super Sick Day. This is a thing, this is like a real thing. They stay home on super sick day because they get sick after the Super Bowl. And then I also learned this week that uh, the day after the Super Bowl is the biggest diet decision day for men everywhere. <laughs> it, it really is, the, the, tomorrow is the biggest diet decision day for men. And so this is a, this is a day where uh, we 're going to talk about health and we 're going to talk about how it is spiritual, how your health is spiritual. so many of us though, we deal with our health just in such a natural way. We just do our best we 're not recognizing that health is a spiritual issue um, we, we, it 's heightened at this time of the year because we 're at the beginning of the year, you know, and, and so we 're all trying to figure out how to exercise more, eat better, lose weight, all that kind of stuff. but I believe that Healthy has to do with holy. Like our health is important to God, and there's a holiness about it. And so we're going we're to kind of dive into that today. Let's read the scripture in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 3. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. The attitude that Jesus had as he suffered in his body, arm yourself with this same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Wow, that's a fascinating phrase, isn't it? Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Now, if you looked at that list of words and you thought to yourself, what does debauchery mean? Uh, uh, You're not alone. Uh, People don't know what that word means. The word debauchery actually means an extreme indulgence in your senses, an extreme indulgence in your senses that... People everywhere are living for their senses, for what their body tells them. In other words, debauchery is when you let your body rule the roost. The body's in charge of everything. And that's what will happen to you if you don't realize how God actually created us. So when we talk about our health being spiritual, it's important that you know that God created you as a triune being, triune you're made in the image of God. God is a triune being. You're a triune being. And so the first part of who you are is that you live in a body. You live in a body. This body has desires. It has eating appetites. It has sleeping appetites. Oh, sleeping. I love sleeping. Don't you love sleeping? Sleeping is really, and so many people in American culture don't sleep anymore. They're like, "Ah, I don't need to sleep, I'll be fine. No, actually studies are showing how important sleep is. There's sexual desires that we uh, have to manage in our bodies. Your body is screaming at you almost all the time. Most of the time it's screaming at you, wanting what it wants when it wants it. That's your body. second part of you is your soul. The second part of you is your soul, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what your soul is made up of, your mind, your intellect, your human will, your, your power to choose, and the, and the emotions that uh, surround it all. And your soul will put demands on you just like your body puts demands on you, emotional demands, intellectual demands, demands that come from your thought life. So much of who we are comes from how we think, how we think about ourselves, The way we see ourselves and through the lens of our identity and our thoughts are a major portion of that. And the third part of who we are is that we are spirit. You have a spirit and this is the part of you that no other living creation has, right? It is the part of you that is made in the image of God. It is the part of you that is regenerated and collaborates with the Holy Spirit as you come to him. And there's an interesting thing that about this body, soul and spirit is that all three of them want to control your life. All three of them wanna call the shots. All three of them wanna be in charge. So the question for you today, the question for me today is who's gonna be in charge? Who is in charge of your life? Is it your body? Is it your emotions? Is is it your soul? Is it your intellect? Well, who's in charge? And, And God wants his spirit to be in charge. He wants your spirit to be in charge, the spiritual part of you that surrenders to him. And so when the body's in control, it has complete disregard for the other two aspects of your life. I don't know if you realize that. If the body's in charge, it, the body doesn't care what God says about you. The body doesn't care what your emotions say. It's, some people, they, their bodies are so much in charge that it destroys their self-esteem. And, and it, just, it can really destroy their lives. It destroys their emotional capacity. Because your body just wants to be Satisfied. And if your body is that in charge, if your senses are that in charge, you'll make really bad decisions. Some of you are driven by your emotions. You're driven by how you feel on any particular day. Today is a foggy, rainy Super Bowl Sunday. And you kind of drag out a bed, you drug yourself to church. Way to go. There's something there's something good here but so many people are just driven by their own feelings or emotions some by their depression some by their anger some by by just pleasure just wanting to feel better when your emotions are in charge there's total disregard for the other two aspects of your life but when your spirit is in charge here's the interesting thing there's there is success in life and and the the spiritual part of you under the influence of the holy spirit is the only one of the three that wants the others to be healthy and right it's interesting i don't you've heard of the movie supersize me Super Size Me, it's about McDonald's, Morgan Spurlock, he did, this, he did this film and it was about 30 days of uh, just eating McDonald's, right? And, and so then they, they recorded it and, and, you know, he's eating Big Macs and then afterwards the docs are looking at him and a bunch of weird stuff happened with his body. It was really uh, uh, an incredible film. And, um, and so a couple of years ago, um, an Iowa high school science teacher Uh, His name is John Cisna, and he he created his own McDonald's challenge, but he was trying to teach his students something. He was trying to teach his high school students something about science, something about life, something about choices. And so he created his own 90-day, check this out, 90-day McDonald's challenge where he ate McDonald's for 90 days. And he was trying to prove something to his kids. Here's what happened at the end. At the end of 90 days, so a a third, uh, two-thirds more than the original 90, or than the original McDonald's challenge. Here's what happened to him, though. He lost 37 pounds and cut his cholesterol by 79 points. He ate at McDonald's every day for every meal. He lowered his cholesterol and lost weight. And his point to his students was, it's not McDonald's that is your problem. It's your choices. It's your choices, because there's a whole menu up there. There's a whole menu of choices at McDonald's. I mean, I'm not a real fan of salad in plastic, but hey, it is better. <laughs> it is better than what's in those fries. That if you find them under your car seat in 40 years, it still looks the same. <laughs> I'm just saying. So wait, So listen, so here's, here's what we're talking about. We're really talking about making better choices. But how do you make better choices? How do you make better choices? The Apostle Paul talks about this very thing in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. He's wrestling with himself in Romans chapter 7. He says <coughs> in verse 18, for I have the desire to do what is good. I have the desire to do what is good. In other words, I have the desire to eat better. I have the desire to exercise more. I have the desire to be more productive. I have the desire every year to be a good person. The desire's there. But I cannot carry it out, he says. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Interesting. You should circle that little underlined phrase right there. In other words, the apostle Paul discovered that what was driving his body and his emotions was his spiritual condition. Think about that. What was driving his body, what was driving his emotions, was what was going on inside of him spiritually. And that is true for every one of us. And then he kind of fusses at himself and gets angry at himself. Look at verse 24 and 25. He says, What a wretched man I am. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that? Every once in a while, I look in the mirror, What a wretched man I am. It's a thing, he says, he says, what a wretched, he's saying, I hate myself, I, I hate the way I'm living, I hate that my anger takes control, I hate that I can't get my life in order, I hate that I overspend, I hate that I overeat, I hate that I give into the addiction. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? <sighs> Somebody can rescue you from this body of death. If you're struggling with your body being in charge of your life today, this message is for you. And listen, there isn't a person in here who hasn't struggled through something with their senses or their body or their emotions or their intellect being in charge of everything. Every one of us have wrestled with this. It's not just about weight. It's not about body shaming. It's not about any of that. It's about God's spirit working inside of you that those are the solutions. I want you to look at what his solution says. Verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this is a curious phrase. He says, who's gonna, who's gonna deliver me? What a wretched man that I am. How, how is this gonna, who's gonna rescue me? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because the response should be like, Like if you're thinking, who's gonna rescue me? You should say, well, go work out more. If you wanna be better, go on a diet, eat less, try harder, get an accountability group. That's not how the apostle Paul responded. Instead, he responds with the secret is I need to get my spirit life, my spiritual life in order. I need Jesus to go first. He's foremost in my life. And then if you read through Romans 8, it's the next chapter, He he talks all about how this life is lived led by the spirit that's your homework this week romans 8 write it in your little notes romans 8 read through romans 8 it describes a spirit led life a spirit led life and i remember <coughs> all of us all of us have this struggle going on within our Bodies, all of us are, are getting older. I turned 50 this last year. I mean, I, I can feel the difference between my 49th year and 50th year. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But I, I, I remember the first time it happened to me where I was like, oh, something's wrong with my body. Did you ever have this moment? I was, praying, I was playing flag football. I, I was 36 years old. And I was playing flag football with a bunch of college students, a bunch of college guys, and, and we, I was quarterbacking. And, and we played a couple games, and we, we won, then we lost, then we won, then we lost. We, we, I think we played a total of four games. Well, the next morning, I could not get out of bed. <laughs> I couldn't get up. And my body was so off for five days, I kind of waited for the symptoms to dissipate. Like just this feeling like something's wrong with my body. I finally called my, I called my father-in-law, who's an ER doc, and I said, something's wrong with my body. And I gave him all the symptoms and he said, okay, okay so, okay, so here, let me tell you something. Here's the good news. You're going to be fine. He said, the bad news is you're getting old. I said, no, 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 this, can't, this cannot be what feeling old is like. He said, no, it gets worse. <laughs> There's something that happens to our bodies. Our bodies are always fighting to be in charge, always fighting to be in control. But if we let them be in control, some terrible things happen to us. Three things you'll notice here. If I'm controlled by my body, number one, I'll destroy myself. I destroy myself. Let me speak to you very directly because you need to know that you have an enemy. It's not just about you. There's an enemy that wants to destroy your life, that wants to destroy your soul, that wants to destroy the quality of your life, to destroy the effectiveness of your life, wants to pollute your life, wants to ruin the purpose of your life. You have an enemy of your soul that is fighting to take advantage of everything he can in this world to disqualify you, to hurt you, to destroy you. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, the Apostle Paul is quoting something from his day, a saying from that day, but what he's saying in this passage is he's talking about how nothing should master us. And so you, you... Nothing should master us except for Jesus Christ himself, the one who is the Savior, the Lord of all. And so if I ask you a question, what is mastering you today? What's in charge of your life today? Is it food? Is it social media? Are you unable to let go of your device for more than a few moments at a time? Is it entertainment Is it pornography? Is it emotions? Is it it your thoughts? What's in charge? Have you ever played the game King of the Hill? You ever played that game when you were a kid? You know? I don't know. I I when I was a kid, there was this, and I was I was always a skinny, scrawny kid, so I hated this game. You, You know what King of the Hill is? You got a hill? You keep trying to push the next guy off it. He gets up there. He gets pushed off. And who wins the king of the hill game? The biggest and the strongest. the The strongest guy wins the king of the hill game. So the question you have to answer is: Is who is the biggest and strongest in your life? Is it your body? Is it your soul, or is it your spirit? Because the one who's the strongest, the one who's the biggest, is going to win. And that's why we have to be proactive in feeding our spirit and starving our flesh, our body and soul, which is why, hey, which is why fasting is such a healthy thing. Fasting actually, studies have shown over and over again that it actually is helpful to the mechanisms and processes within your body that that consistent fasting is good for you, but it is also incredibly valuable for putting you in touch with Jesus, for putting you in touch with Him. If if you if you have this understanding that you're saying no to your flesh and yes to God and His Spirit working in your life, there's an awakening there when you fast so that we won't destroy destroy ourselves, all right? So here's the second thing that will happen when your body's in control. Number two, it'll, I'll dilute my witness. I'll dilute my witness. Matthew five sixteen says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, God always intended for you and for me to be ambassadors for him, to be the kind of people that would be seen. We're like a giant billboard, walking around with Jesus on it. That's his design, that's what he wants. Some of you are like, I don't want people to watch me. Uh, Too bad. They're going to watch you. They're going to watch your life. God intended for that to be the case. Here's 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. People are watching you and I, and I want to challenge you to live a life that's so attractive. Not so attractive in the sense that I worked on my body and I lifted my weights and I went. I mean, listen, Austin is full of people. Everybody's convinced that we need to live healthy. The problem very often is why. The motive gets messed up. The motive gets all screwed up and then you're, then you're doing it for you or you're doing it for somebody else. or you're, There's like this, this, this motivation that starts to poison your soul. And, I, and I, think, I think we have to understand that there's a reason why we want to attract people to ourselves and the way we live and the, the way we uh, uh, deal with our emotions and the way our soul finds peace. People will be attracted to that. The third thing that happens when you're, my body is in control is I dishonor God. I dishonor God. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, in other words, this fine church building that we're sitting in here in this commercial office building is not where God lives Right, it doesn't matter. I mean, this isn't that pretty of a church building, (laughs) but there there are pretty church buildings that dot the landscape of our city and our region. That's not God's address. God's, God's not living in those church buildings. Here's what happened. Jesus, by his death, his resurrection, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, who he sent to us, he said, I'm going to send you someone, a comforter, a counselor, a helper, who's gonna live in you and be with you. He sent the Holy Spirit. That's God's presence in our lives. The presence of God dwells in us. That is the why for our temple to be healthy. That is the purpose. He has a purpose for you. I heard one, I heard one guy say one time, he was like, well, so if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I may have turned it into a megachurch." Listen, I, 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 if I could be serious for a moment, I think there's something really powerful here that we have to wrap our minds around, and it is that God has a purpose for you that he wants to accomplish. And you have the body that you have in, its, in all its brokenness, in all of your DNA history. In this fallen world, there is a purpose your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to treat our bodies with respect, with honor. And God designed some ways for us to do that. You know, he, he, he designed ways for us to treat our bodies well. So our health really is Spiritual. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In other words, there's a there's some there's some things that are gonna be decided for the life to come in the way we treat our body, but it also has benefits right here and now. And so the questions you and I need to ask, here they are. Questions you and I need to ask about our body is number one, am I offering it to God daily? Am I offering daily? Look at Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. Look what it says. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Are you offering your body to God every day? Are you thinking about what he wants you to do with it? I think there are multiple appetites that we have that try to try to drive our bodies. And the Bible has described for us God-approved ways to deal with those appetites. There are a whole bunch of non-God-approved ways that we try to feed those appetites. And so we have to to understand what the scriptures say about those things, and then we have to understand that God has a, a design and a desire for us in the way that we treat our body, in, the way, in what we allow it to do, in we, what, how we allow others to treat it. And here's, the, here's, what, here's what the Apostle Paul calls it. He calls it a living sacrifice. Everybody say that together. Living sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice. Everybody would have understood in Paul's language what Old Testament idea he was talking about. He's talking about an altar where you put an animal on it and the, the animal sacrifices its life to take the sin from your life. It was a foreshadowing of what was to come with the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, giving his life, shedding his blood so that we could be free from sin. So everybody sees this picture when Paul says this, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. You know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? He wants to jump off the altar it wants to get off. <laughs> and so we tend to, we tend to like want to jump off the altar. We, we get up there in the morning. We have our good quiet time. We, we spend our time in prayer. We, oh God, I just offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. And we lay there on the altar and it's right there about four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> ready to jump off. Maybe later that night on a really fun date with this cute girl you're tempted to let your body be in charge. We got to love God with all that we have. We got to surrender in every area, not just pick and choose. And notice when we do this, in this verse God sees this as worship to him, worship to him. Number 2, am I withdrawing weekly? Not only am I offering my body to God daily, but am I withdrawing weekly? This is about the Sabbath. Check out this verse, Isaiah 58. It is a fabulous verse. Look at what it says. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day... If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, check out this list, by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord you will find peace and joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, I'm convinced that most physical unhealth has to do with violating the principle of Sabbath. Most of us, we are running ragged. We are pushing the envelope. We are driving. We're pressing. Don't you know that good old American work ethic, that's what we're raised with, and that's what we do. Listen, it, I know how to take, here's what I've always said, I know how to take a Sabbath on the calendar. What I don't know how to do very well is take a Sabbath in my soul, take a Sabbath in my mind. Yesterday, my wife and I were talking about this, and so we, we spent what I would call a really lazy Saturday. And we kind of just laid around, tried to really take a real Sabbath, and I remember yesterday afternoon, We were talking about this, and I said, I feel really guilty. I feel really guilty. You know what that means? That means I don't know how to take a Sabbath very well. I always feel like I have to be pushing and driving, and so... We have to be willing to set aside our social media. We have to be willing to set aside our busyness. We have to set aside our work things that want to creep up on us so that we can actually have rest in our lives. And so am I withdrawing weekly? And here's the real truth of Sabbath, all right? Here's the reality of Sabbath. When you obey the Sabbath, when you rest, when you feel like I should be working, what you're saying is, okay, God, I trust you because I believe you can produce more for me with six days a week, six days a week, than I can produce on my own with seven days a week. That's what you're saying, that's what Sabbath is. Okay, I trust you to produce. Hey, if you and me the only ones producing anything around here, we're in trouble. Don't you wanna live your life with God producing something beyond even your own capacity? That's what Sabbath is, it's trusting him to produce for you. And finally, number three, I am living, am I living purposefully? Am I living with this kind of purpose in my life? First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I'm not running all over the place. I do not fight like a man just beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the Apostle Paul saying that physical health is easier to achieve. Physical health... He's explaining how this works. you got to know why you're doing it. You have to believe that there's some reason, a sense of purpose, the, a sense of vision for your life for eating right, for sleeping well, for taking care of your body. There's no end to people running around Town Lake on the trail. They're convinced they need to, they need to work on their bodies, but for all the wrong reasons you got to understand that God has a purpose for your life, and here's the truth. You can short-circuit his purpose by the mistreatment of your own body. You can short-circuit his purpose by the mistreatment of your own body. And it's, this is a serious thing. This is a spiritual idea. Because here's, here's what I want to show you. What is the difference between a person who may commit suicide and a person who cuts several years off of his or her life by doing terrible things to their own body over a period of years? What's the difference? Nothing I'm saying here today is said with the intent to guilt you into anything. This is not about guilt. I'm, listen, we're all guilty. <laughs> Let's just settle that right there. Let's just settle that. The, what we do with our bodies. Um, n- none of us have sort of lived under this, up to the standard. What the secret is, is making sure that inside of us that God is working And and moving us and challenging us and growing us and and, and loving us and surrounding us and helping us see what it is that our purpose is in our lives so that we will not mistreat our bodies, so that we will not mistreat one another, so that we will not live in an unhealthy way full with alcohol or drugs or sex or fast food or just sitting around on your butt. You have a purpose, and you need to realize that his purpose lives in you. And so treat the temple well. Treat the temple with respect. And even in the most difficult moments, you will find that God will help you. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to pray. I want you to listen to the, the Holy Spirit and the way he wants to speak to you. What does he want to put his finger on today. What what does he want to say to you? He doesn't want to guilt you into anything either. He wants to show you a better way. (laughs) He wants to show you how much he's got planned and how much he needs you and wants you to be part of his purpose. And so if you're struggling today with any of the things we just talked about, I want you to come to God right now. The band's gonna lead us in one song, and I want you just to listen carefully. I want you to respond to what God is saying. I want you to allow him to speak his truth into your soul that he loves you just the way you are and he loves you so much he wants to help you become the person that he desires for you to be